Welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, back with you, back for another episode of Roach Coach, creating this new metal canon one album at a time. This week, more big guns. We had to call them out. The big guns. Call out the big guns. That's right, Matt. We're talking about Cypress Hill this week and their album Skull and Bones. There's only one man that we could talk to about that. You know him. You love him. It's Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. K. Fresh. Hey, what up, though? How you guys doing? <laughs> what up, though? K. Fresh. What up, though? K. Fresh. Um, you <laughs> two, had reached two of the whitest <laughs> the what up, doughs you've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, Danny Brown just shook. Right. Like he got a shiver up his spine. All I want to know is, uh, is Doctor Four Twenty and uh, and Sir, uh, I don't know, Sir Puffs a lot. Are you, are you guys here? Oh, the dankest, the stickiest of the ickiest, two of the biggest weed heads you've ever met in your whole life. I live in a cloud, about- baby. I live in a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's so soft here, man. Oh, the man. funny thing is, is this Cypress Hill album isn't that weed heavy. This is probably the least weedy Cypress Hill I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> Although this this cover, we'll get to it, but not to blow the lead. This cover still lets you know they're down with the sticky icky. Oh, always. They are. Absolutely. K-Fresh, for those that aren't familiar, I mean, you've been in the scene, you've been doing a lot with your uh, Fresh is the Word stuff. Do you just want to give everybody a little bit of background on on what you've been doing and what you're up to now? Um, I just relaunched Fresh is the Word as a website for now. It used to be a podcast. I'm just doing it kind of uh, as a website now just to cover my experiences in music and pop culture and other things, not just like be a promotional tool for other things, but just like, Hey, if I do this thing or I listen to the song or hear this record, I'm going to write about it. I'm doing that right now. And then I'm also going to bring back my um, Detroit hip hop history website, Renaissance soul. I originally did back in 2001 and it was a, uh, a curated discography of Jay Dilla. And then I uh, extended that towards, um, you know, all of Detroit hip hop and stuff. So I'm going to kind of bring that back into, you know, covering Detroit hip hop history, have discographies, uh, stories about songs or projects, myth busting on stuff that has to do with Detroit hip hop and sort of other things that are adjacent to that. Because the first time, besides this show, which you have been so gracious to be a fan of and comment on, the first time I really did hear about you, besides the fact that we adjacently worked at the same place for a very long period of time, was was because of your discography and kind of chronicling of Jay Dilla and the work that you did there. So Right. Any any sort of like discography work you see on the internet about Jay Dilla was built on my work. Which is absolutely crazy, right? That's that, crazy. That's that's so cool. You're like um, putting in the hours. Yeah, I'm there. Sure. I'm at Uh, Car City Records. What are you guys doing? (laughs) I was at Car City Uh, Records. (laughs) So, K-Fresh, you had reached out. You said, hey, you guys talking about that new metal, but you haven't talked enough about the rap part of new metal and 
that and you're right we have not you know and it's funny is that that's something that Garrett Fuller had brought up when he was uh, did the show back in January he's like you know I like the rock but the rap I love the rap and we haven't done I mean honestly Matt I would say of of recent ilk I feel like it's still Limp Biscuit and not too yeah. many other ones that we in the last few years have really dived into that have really done a lot of rapping no, so it's been a ton of of the new metal metal part mm-hmm. of the yeah. and then of some the new in. experience yeah, yeah talk can i can we take it easy uh this is a quick side note yeah man uh, i i just spent a week with my brother my brother's three years older than me and i was talking about the show and i was saying well I can always tell because we he was putting on liquid metal on Sirius because we're freaking billionaires. And um, so we were listening to liquid metal uh, on Sirius and a band started and I couldn't even tell you who this band was. They started and then the singer started and it was like he does the same thing that I do. He turned it off. He's like, you ruined it. <laughs> Once the singer started singing and I go, what Roach Coach has taught me is that there are two bands of which whose influence can absolutely ruin a band. It's Tool and Alice in Chains. And my brother goes, I hate those bands. <laughs> and then the thing is, I think with Alice in Chains, like there's one band that sort of like took like took their influence and took it to a whole other extreme of douchery. And then every band sort of uh, followed suit, and that's Creed. Yes. Mm, absolutely like my friend used yeah, to call they... those bands Creedcore. wow <laughs> that's a harsh oh, that's a harsh creed core band the creed core bands and those are a lot wow. of like the butt rock bands you know but yeah. mm-hmm. so uh this week yeah we are talking about cypress hill and we, there we've already been hitting that chronic we've been <laughs> k fresh is over there his eyes agape at how much smoke is behind me <laughs> right i i just like waked and baked you know what i'm saying <laughs> Like, yo, I don't even know, like, how I'm going to get through this episode, man. Oh, I don't either, man. We're going to try, bro. Because we got two discs here, you guys, on Cypress Hill's Skull and Bones. That's right. right. That's right. This is a double album. This is a double disc? Matt, buckle the fuck up. All right, buddy. (laughs) And so this record, it was released on April 25th, 2000. Wow. So this is a true thick of it album. A true thick of it record is the fifth album from uh, Cypress Hill. I was digging through and I couldn't really find anything, like any sort of interviews that basically gave an indication of like why they decided to make this record like this besides just they were like, hey, new metal is popular. Let's make a new metal record. They, I have, my, um, I have my theories about a lot of uh, mm-hmm. stuff that comes out on this album, you know, but we'll get into it as we like go through this album. Actually, yeah, K Fresh, we'll start with you. What's your history with Cypress Hill and with this album? Okay, my uh, my history with this album was I really never listened to the whole thing, but I heard the, the uh, rap and rock superstar song so much. Like, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I hated those songs, man, because they were like, I'm like, this is kind of corny, man. <laughs> and we'll get into that more with when we go through the album, because the themes of the of those songs wrap up a lot. Um, but Cypress Hill, man, woo, I, mean, I, I started to listen to them on their first album, man. I continue to listen to them um, 
throughout all the albums through um, throughout before this one. Part of the reason why, like, I emailed you about talking about the the hip hop aspect of new metal was that, um, and I emailed you saying like. Hey, if you're gonna do a Papa's, there's certain I think there's certain hip hop groups that influenced new metal. And what I was saying was Cypress Hill, um, House of Pain, and then to a certain extent Wu Tang Clan. I think were like some of them who, because okay, you you can go back to the '80s with Run DMC and a lot of things where there was like rock collabs and stuff like that. But it wasn't until like the '90s where you got like the inf- you got this different sort of production and whatnot that lend its hand in the same way as that like Rage Against Machine mm-hmm. lent to to new metal. If you listen to the you know the early the first two or three Cypress Hill albums, if you listen to the first to the House of Pain records, there's a certain production value, especially DJ Muggs. Yep, I was gonna that, say Muggs. Yep. That um you hear a, a lot of the the weird noises and stuff that would almost translate to the guitar riffs and stuff like that in um in new metal and the same thing with um with house of pain you know and dj lethal cypress hill house of pain wu-tang clan they had a fan base that wasn't just hip-hop fans yeah they they mm-hmm. they crossed over to these other people who liked rock music and metal and everything I'll, I'll even say some people who are downright racist and hated black people and hated hip-hop and whatnot still liked house of pain still liked cypress hills still liked wu-tang clan and then my junior high school will support this uh, fact. <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah like i've always been a cypress hill fan i remember seeing them had to be had to be in about 95 or 96 at uh pine knob okay smoking grooves tour oh yeah i think there Warren Hill was there you know me and Marley. puff puff pass over there were oh there. yeah man i was a teenager man and i think i got like secondhand buzz man like, <laughs> I was like yo man it's crazy and you know that, that's pretty much my long story short that's my like history with everything okay matt history with cypress hill oh buddy i will tell you right here and right now one of the first CDs that I ever got because I joined Columbia House and got 10 CDs for a penny was the first Cypress Hill record. Wow. And there's a moment in that record, and I agree with you completely, K Fresh, because they used a, like, a, it would either be who they were sampling, but they would usually use like a horn squeal. Yeah. Like, a, like you know, whether it be um, Char- not Charlie Parker, because that's way too old, but like, they would use Miles Davis or they would use Coltrane. They would use like somebody running a, a, a squeal on it. And then we'd just isolate that part and you would hear the. Yep. And they would repeat it just like Public Enemy did with kind of like the bomb squad there where like they would take sirens and sirens was like the recurring theme of Public Enemy music. Cypress Hill kind of just took those squeals and they played those squeals over again. But when I heard them loop Duke of Earl, because I used to love that song because I would watch Happy Days and like <laughs> Duke of Earl is like very related to Happy Days in my brain. And then I heard them go Duke, 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 Duke of Duke, Duke. I was like, what is happening here? The first record's really good, but the second record to me cover to cover classic i love black sunday i think ridiculous 
great. It's one of those few. It's one of those few ones that I could put it on today. It feels as fresh today as it did back then. I think production on it is absolutely insane. I think thematically, it is the best weed album I've ever heard. Oh yeah, because it, because it's like every song has a relation to weed in some way, shape, or form, but at no point does it feel like weed music. Right. right. Uh, if, if if that makes sense, where it doesn't feel like. I go to a fish concert, and I'm like, get me out of here. And they're talking about Rudy Tootie Razzmatazz. I'm like, I, I hate every second of this. You put that on, and even if you don't smoke, you're like, uh, this song's great. Oh, <laughs> this yeah, song's yeah. Great. Um, but uh, three, and three, four, five, I never picked up on um, just because I never did. And rock superstar, rap superstar, I heard because, of course, I was watching TRL. And uh, you know, I, I saw them, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like it was a very important moment. Of, it wasn't like, oh, this is the cultural moment. This is the thing that connects with me the most. It was like I watched TRL and pretended that I didn't like ninety percent of what I saw. When you know, I would have done anything to dance bye 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 in front of a million girls that were interested in me. Dude, so that's like that's like the theme of this album, which you just said right there. <laughs> <laughs> so. So yes, I'm a big I'm a big fan. I would go. I think I saw Cypress Hill, Lollapalooza. I think they were one. I don't know. They were anyway, on one of the I, early ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of them. So I I feel like I've seen them live, but I would not put money on it. Yeah, they were out. Uh, they were on a lot of those things. That that, that was another thing that's like in hip hop. They kind of broke out to being one of those hip hop groups that were a part of those other things, those alternative yeah. festivals and whatnot. When yes, that's of, how when, I was able to see Tribe Called Quest because they were on '94. I want to say, yeah, like n- not too many hip hop acts got to be on those things, you know. Right. So yeah, they were able. To, they were very pioneering and being a part of these these big festivals that you know that are regular now. That's my history, Lauren. How about you? Well, I have uh, something of a lack of history then compared to you guys i mean i was familiar with how i could just kill a man and i of course was very familiar with insane in the membrane which uh, my sister and i both liked when that song came out when we were very little kids after that i mean cypress hill was a group i was aware of but i was not digging into the albums or anything like that um i was very aware of rock superstar because as you mentioned k fresh uh, 89X in Detroit played this song. Oh my God! Into Jesus. right. It, I think they played it at the top of the hour every hour, and um, I can say that when I did my listens and I heard that little ding, 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 dude to start, I did have a Pavlovian response to be like, I should change the channel. Turn it off. But right after all the Beastie Boys and uh, and uh, Finger Eleven songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, and also, then a uh, sweet little Our Lady Peace break. You know? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> and 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 they were uh, also, you know, they, it was it was also one of those things where like, okay, we're uh, we're not gonna play Change in the House of Flies right now, and also we can't, we don't want to play any Eminem right now because we're getting a little heat that we're only playing Eminem because he's white, but we want to play something. And my God, did they play this song so much? It was insane. That's what that's what like Cypress Hill was like. After like Eminem came out, they were like the replacement for Eminem. When you want to like, you you don't want to play a white rapper, but you want to like play like somebody who's adjacent to to a white rapper, and that's be real. <laughs> <laughs> 
there you go. Which he's not or what he's not white, but he's like he's mm-hmm. he's passing to a certain extent, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I think that was also a big appeal of Cypress Hill is was be real that like like there's a there's a there's a racial aspect to it, you know. Oh, for sure. And I, and I feel like you know white people back in the '90s like be real because he was he was sort of you know white passing, but he's you know straight up Latino. And that's why people loved uh, House of Pain, you know. Oh, um, there's there's certainly a, a swath of the population that exactly <laughs> were like, he's just like me. Yeah. Oh, I I, uh. I know a lot of straight up white guys back then that looked like Be Real. Good <laughs> <laughs> <a> team. <laughs> you could uh, go around Roseville and East Point and everything, man. Like, there was a lot of like dudes that had the same facial hair and everything, man, back then. Like I'm talking about maybe like first album be real. Right. Mm, Second album be real. Okay, he got a little like wild with the hair, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the facial hair. But that first album be real, I was seeing a lot of dudes that either look like him or Everlast, you know, at that time. <laughs> uh so I have a physical copy of this album here. Picked it up from Dearborn Music for a sweet seven dollars and ninety-seven cents. It is indeed two discs. The first disc is the Skull Disc. It's 11 hip-hop. tracks. The hip-hop it's all disc. about hip. It's, all, it's the hip-hop disc. Hip-hop, hip-hop, real hip-hop. That's right. <laughs> then, <laughs> for the second disc, it's the Bones Disc. It's six tracks, and it's all about that oh. new metal. That now, metal, the interesting thing metal. is the that when, metal. when I dug into the credits here, I thought, well, maybe, you know, did they bring in anybody special for that second half? No. No. Produced, arranged, and mixed by Muggs. Yeah. Muggs did it all. He was like, I could do this new metal shit. Get out of here. You know, the funny thing is, it's not shocking at that point that Cypress Hill would do a, do a record like that to me. To me, it was like, why did it take so long? I mean, I would say dropping it April of 2000, in the thick of it, that's a true, like, they were like, wait for it. Wait for it. And someone's like, well, 99. Had, and then, yeah. Like, wait, wait for it. Wait, 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 and someone's like, uh, and April 2000, boom, nailed it. And then you know, I bet you, <laughs> yeah, I bet you, hold, and yeah, it's it, really because you know what? I bet you a year later, 9 11 happens, and Cypress Hill looked at all the people around them and said, See, we called it just right, got in right. there, yeah, got in there while right. it was hot. It, but like, it, it totally plays that they would have their finger that firmly on the pulse of what was happening. With the new metal scene, mm-hmm. like another thing is too, and like you, we'll we'll get into this probably constantly as we listen to these songs, is that this is like peak TRL time. Also, mm-hmm. this this album is about stardom yes. and pop music. Yeah, because I consider, well, I mean, obviously here on the show, the release of the second Limp Biscuit record, Significant Other, is pretty much like the mark of like new metal furor like it is just taking over everything and 9999 the day that the sega dreamcast was released was also like the day of that that uh mtv music awards yeah and it was like it's here like everything is here and then 2000 is basically like it just keeps crusting into it but it's like it's at mass it is everywhere and it is counterpointed with literally bubblegum. Just mm-hmm. Dude, mm-hmm. Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, in sync, 
Backstreet Boys, LFO, 98 Degrees. No, oh, you're digging into the deep cuts. But it was like all for every for every album that we've done in the new metal canon, there is a the other direction of boy band one off. I mean, for God's sakes, uh, Jordan Knight had that "Give It to Me" song. He did. Oh, I go deep, hard go, in the paint. Go, go hard in the paint, Matt. They call this album "Skull and Bones," and then they made sure that we didn't forget. In these liner notes, you've got this front cover, the "Skull and Bones," and then you also have just uh, you have like an upside down weed leaf symbol on the skull. Then you have piles of skulls behind it. You open up in the li- in the lyric book. Skulls? More skulls. More skulls. And these are real skulls, you guys. We got shots of the band posing in front of skulls. These guys said, we're calling the album Skull and Bones. Get us to some skulls. So many skulls. Piles of skulls on the back. More skulls. They don't, they don't bullshit they, around with the, they, the No, visuals. they don't. They're like, they They're were like, like listen, yeah. we need skulls and we need them stat. Who's our skull guy? Who was their skull guy? They don't, who's they on don't, skull? Who's on Skull Patrol? Yeah, mm. they don't. They don't call the album Skulls and Bones and then do some album cover of a little kid jacking off or something. You know? <laughs> no, it's not. Thank esoteric God! At all. Thank God! <laughs> what a weird cover that would be. I, I would, you, you, you guys have done some albums with some weird covers on it that made no sense in comparison to the music. So Cypress Hill Cy- is like, yo, we're you know. Mm-hmm. Straight up. This is called Skull and Bones, and Skull you're going to see a lot of skulls and a uh, ton of bones. Yes. Right. Um, let's talk about who's in uh, Cypress Hill on this album on vocals. Be real. Also on vocals. Send Dog. Turntables. Sampler. DJ Mugs. And on drums, Bobo. Bobo. But Bobo? Bobo. But not Eric Bobo. But not only... Is that who's on it? You've got extra people helping out. Other guitarists on this record. Dino from Fear Factory. Jeremy Fleener. Rogelio Lozano. Andy Zambarno. And Al Function, who also did keyboards. On bass, Christian Old Wolbers. Wolbies? Yep. And Reggie Stewart. And also on drums, Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine. Which, I mean, that connection makes sense since, what, 10, 15 years later, Be Real would be part of the uh, Prophets of Rage project, which, um, terrible, right? That was pretty bad. <laughs> I, can't, I can't, I maybe listened to it once. I can't even remember. It was, it's like one of those things where I'm like, like on paper, it sounds cool, but. Mm. Uh, it's one of the it, most extreme we've got Rage Against the Machine at home situations that I've ever heard. Like truly, like you realize even even with Chuck D with Be Real, like even them together cannot equal a Zach De La Roca in this scenario. It's yeah, tough yeah. go. Well, um, that's how I felt. Uh, you know, I wasn't an Audio Slave fan either. So it, that all just kind of washed over me. It was like. If I want Rage Against the Machine, even though I think Audio Slave was kind of its own thing, but like, I'd, if I want Rage, I'm going to listen to Rage. I'm going to be okay. I mean, it's really something to have the Rage Against the Machine band, and then you're up front going, Lack Stone! It's like, this is not, <laughs> this is not what I need. This is not what I need. And let oh, me tell you, if, if, the, let me tell you, if I could have that right there, what you just did, Lauren. Oh, loop that, it. Oh, well, you know, I, I recently need Lauren going like. No, I, I okay. I saw I saw Rage Against the Machine twice back in the day. 
Mm-hmm. One time Wu Tang Clan opened, and the other time Gangstar opened. Mm-hmm. So, so I was like, at that Gangstar show, yeah. Yeah, I'm like looking back, I'm like so blessed to be at those shows. And then um I think I did see Audio Slave at the State Theater. Because all I remember is the last song that they did was Cochise. And when they performed that, it looks like a bomb dropped like in the in the crowd. Cause I, I just saw bodies going everywhere. Like that's how hype it was. At those Raging Cochise. Those the Raising the Machine shows back in the day had the biggest pits I've ever seen in my life. Like mm-hmm. yes. they're insane. Like I could the whole the whole fl- the whole floor at the palace was a pet. Like there yeah. was nowhere nowhere was safe. It was insane. It, Bulls on Parade is on which album? Evil yeah. Empire, with the boy on it. I was not at that show. I have heard horror stories of the pit at that show since it happened. Like of how humongous it was. People jumping off of like banisters. People going off in that show. Oh, and it was back in the day where like. Remember when that was at Kobo, was my understanding. What, uh, I know one was at uh, at um, the Palace. Okay, I'm not sure. The 99 okay. shows at, the 99 show that I was at was at the Palace. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, th- that one was at yeah. That the, that was the Wu Tang Clan one, I think. No, the 99 show was with um, at the drive-in. Uh, what you said, Gangstar. Gangstar. Yeah. No, they were both at the Palace then, because I think, okay. or maybe I don't know. But those those are back in the day. Remember when like at shows like that people that were in the seats and everything would all gather together and rush the the main floor oh yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And th- there was a lot happening there at those at those rage against the machine shows wouldn't happen now security's too tight they're too on it now and but back in the day everyone was no, like whatever people are man too chill now man these shows now man like everyone's safe everyone gets home at a reasonable time what happened to Fear and fights. Okay, right. Um, I remember going. I remember going to like Wu Tang Clan like solo shows, like Raekwon or Jizza, whatever, at St. Andrews, and those shows would be as wild as going to a metal show. Yeah, I was just at Buster Rhymes. I saw Buster Rhymes perform at a conference I was at. So, granted, it is a conference audience, but it was like no one's gonna jump. No one's gonna jump. No, they chilling, just chilling. No one's jumping. And like he played scenario, I lost my mind. Right, Spliff. He d- he did this thing with Spliff Star, and he probably has been doing it for years. But this was the first time yeah. I have ever seen Buster Rhymes live. He's doing um um, hoo ha, got you all in check. Yeah, and he's rapping, and Spliff Star comes up to his voice, and he turns it down. But Buster's still doing all the articulations, oh, yeah. like he's rapping and everything like yeah. that. And then he turns it back up, and he hasn't missed a beat. And it's like. Buster Rhymes is the greatest performer that's ever existed. Dude, recently <laughs> Little Wayne cut a cut a concert short because no one was uh, the crowd was just chilling. I know that's fair. That's fair. So, You'd listen, be dead in ninety nine. <laughs> let, 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 let me tell you. Let me tell you, Matt. You and I have done some improv shows. We're just like, listen, we are crushing it up here. We need this audience to be hitting these moments with us. Where I'm I need walking. Y'all to laugh. I need y'all to give me some some ideas. Hmm. I need some energy topics. Yeah, come on. Yes, and all right. So yes, and yeah. maybe let's go is the deal. And we'll yes, start a album. mosh pit. I want y'all to start a mosh pit at Improv. Look, there yeah. you go. We need that. <laughs> circle, circle, circle up. So this album was a successful record for Cypress Hill. These guys, honestly, looking through, these guys were moving some units in the nineties. Oh. First album double platinum. Second album triple platinum. So these what? guys were used. Yeah, 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 Matt. 
These boys Holy did Lord. these boys did the move where they had the hot debut and then they said second record even hotter. And Double was, down. And Cypress was good at, good with merch back then, man. They had their merch everywhere. Sam Goody and everything. They were like one of the first bands that I remember besides ICP who did the hockey jersey game. Oh man. Like they had like the hockey jerseys on lock. I had a couple like um Cypress Hill t shirts, man. Like you saw just in my area growing up, like, you know, uh, you know, Warren, Michigan, that whole area, you saw just Cypress Hill t shirts back then everywhere, man. This record, critically, according to Wikipedia, pretty successful. They've got a, a, few, a few quotes from some uh, some publications at the time. Rolling Stone, three and a half out of five. They called it a bipolar breakdown, proving hip-hop is more like T2, capable of morphing into anyone they want to be. Uh, CMJ said this proves rather convincingly that Cypress Hill still packs a mighty punch. Vibe said uh, this marks the first major shift in the group's direction half the album is head-banging jam session songs like rap superstar prove the group still has that winning formula the source gave it 3.5 mics out of five calling it their most drastic turn yet cypress flavor runs thick across the disc they break down the barriers in order to transcend the industry-imposed terms of alternative and rap another set for the weeded that's a new one um <laughs> Uh, this is my favorite of these review uh, poll quotes. It's from Rap Pages, who said, Maybe the best album you hear for the next two years. It is so artistically good that it will stay in your personal rotation. Rap Pages saying that they have predicted that the next two years of music will not be as good as this album. Not saying, wow. this is better than the last two years album. There's like albums that haven't been recorded yet won't be as good as this record. Album's coming out in a couple months. This is the best record for the next two years. So until April 2002, Rap Pages is saying you won't hear a better record. Oh, yeah, and Marshall Mathers LP is just on the way. (laughs) Rap Pages (laughs) says forget it. Forget it. It ain't Skull and Bones. This has got two discs. One's called Skull and one called Bones. Like the blueprint's on the way. Blooper. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. sorry. Skull and Bones. Two Every years. Album post this doorstop. <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody's Throw putting it re- in the trash. Everybody's like, putting like, why records out. Why even make it? Why even make it? That's right. Everyone's just like, oh, I got a record coming out. Should I just wait until May? Just, just wait till the smoke clears, till the buzz dies down. Like, oh, well done, K Fresh. Well done. The smoke clears. Mojo says that this finds them sticking a finger in the air and finding the wind blowing in the direction of thrash metal. Okay. Enemy gave it a 7 out of 10 and said, picks up where the groggy metal rap melange of 98 Cypress Hill 4 left off. It's business as usual. They do hip-hop and they do funk metal rock evolving slowly. Hmm, 7 out of 10, but it sounds like a pan. Um, Now, interestingly enough, in the Rolling Stone album guide, published in 2004, this record received one star. I'll just read from this uh, from this uh, small thing. So they in the, in this they ranked um, every record from Cypress Hill through 2004's "Till Death Do Us Part." Notice Cypress Hill did not put out another record out for four years because they were like, "This record's so good, we gotta wait two years." Cypress Hill's formula has been imitated so much; it's easy to forget how shocking it originally sounded. Crazy Latino voices, Spanglish gangsta threats, blunted '70s funk beats that made you laugh out loud. 
Be Real and Send Dog come on as a hip-hop Cheech and Chong praising the Sweet Leaf with a devotion rarely seen beyond the parking lot at a fish show. While the rappers twist their Latin lingo into Vado rhymes with blunts about blunts, guns, and 40 ounces, DJ Muggs pumps bong loads of bass into paranoid sound collages like Hand on the Pump, and when you turn it up loud, the beat goes booyah. The combination of whiny sing-song flow and low-riding bass made the album hugely influential, most notably on Dr. Dre, but nobody quite duplicated that perfect balance of horror, humor and horror, not even Cypress Hill themselves. The follow-up, Black Sunday, was jokier with the hit Insane in the Brain and the definitive I Want to Get High. Subsequent releases reflect poorly on the relationship between cannabis intake and creative inspiration. End of poll. So he's saying that at a certain point, these guys are smoking too much weed and it is affecting the musical (laughs) quality output. I would say if you are smoking as much weed as Cypress Hill professed to, and then you make a double album? <laughs> that, was, that was a I, weed thought, man. Be like, one day they were like, yo, San, um, yo, I got an idea. Okay. Um, yo, how about we do a double album? You get me? Get me? <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold wait. on. Hold on. Like, Hold one on. album's wait. good. One album's good on its own. We've but had two is... Two, no, no, like no, one no. more. Wait, wait, wait. Yo, Muggs, come over here. Yeah. The first disc, we're just going to do hip hop. Okay. D- we can do that. Yeah, we okay. can do that. We've been mm-hmm. doing that. But yo, the second disc, mm-hmm. we're going to do metal. What? Yo. Yo, it'd be, tra- it'd be crazy. No one's ever done it. <laughs> You know that that meeting went exactly like that. Honestly, right now, if Cypress Hill listen to this, they'd be like, these guys bugging our house? How'd they know about this? How'd they know about this? K-Fresh is in the house. Oh, my Lord. The call's coming from the kitchen. I'm the fly on the wall. There it is. The fly on the wall. That's also But also from a marketing standpoint, Mm -hmm. perfectly marketable. One page. That was the height of, like, that's fine new ways of marketing albums. Yep. One half for our for our tried and true fans, we're never gonna let you down. But for anybody who's new, we also got some we got some rock for you. And the thing is, we're not gonna make either of these albums really long, too. That's true. Ooh, we'll talk uh, we, about we'll, that. We'll talk about second. that as we go through. So we had to talk about this before we started recording. So the skull disc is straight up hip hop, and a lot of these songs, just gonna be real with you guys. I'm gonna be real with you guys. And, yeah, there you go. And uh, I'm just going to say that uh, a lot of these songs sound uh, very similar, the same, a lot of the same themes. So we're just going to kind of skim through Skull to get to them bones. Uh, Ooh, but we skim do want to skull. <laughs> skim through Skull. Uh, but we do want to get into it a little bit. So, Matt, oh, before we get, I wanted to mention genre tags. The genre tags for this album on Wikipedia are hip hop, new metal, rap metal. Okay. Can confirm. Can confirm. Spoiler, spoiler alert, that is correct. <laughs> yep. All right, so the uh, the first track on Skull is Intro. All right.
All right, all right, all right. We know what this is. We know all right, is. we're setting a stage. They're back and they're in your skull. There, there all was right. a lot of songs like that back in the day, the intros uh, for rap albums, where they're just saying, yeah, man, we're back, y'all. Yo, listen up, motherfucker. Yeah, we back. And it's like, I like the... I like that that is a theme. I never want it to go away. I love that they're just somebody, somebody, di- the producer, the, exec- the executive producer is just like, listen, you don't just start an album. You can't just start an album. You, you insane person. You just start an album. You, know the funny you thing need is- to let them know is that you're back. You know let the them know you're is- fucking back. No, the funny thing is with that, like online, like in the whole like social media age and everything, you'll have those like accounts that you like, yo, what, what's the, what's the best lead off track of an album and obviously the person talking about this is coming from a rock or pop music uh standpoint and i'm thinking about hip-hop i'm like yo all the all the all the lead songs are freaking intros man <laughs> jesus I'm, well, like, then- I'm like do i get to skip that first one to uh, answer this question i mean <laughs> it, honestly i mean with something like that i think there's only there's only like two i think that are actually legit and it's um the uh the first song on Ro- on uh Jay-Z Rock La Familia that's yeah. a legit intro that's actually a song oh yeah and oh, then, that, that's and- that's one of the, one of the best like rap music intro songs of all time like that was right. like I, I, you could have like you could have like just stopped the album after that yeah <laughs> I mean honestly true. And then uh, the other one is uh what is it Dreams and Nightmares by uh, Meek oh, yeah. Mill? Yeah, that's a big one also. Yeah. That, that's but that, that's another one where he's like I'm I'm going to make an actual song here that's actually going to be. But yeah, but most of the time it's it's a bunch of it's a bunch of uh clicking lighters or maybe it's like a skit, you know, the one at the top oh, of Ghostface yeah. pretty Tony album where he's like coming out and everyone's interviewing him. Ghost, is it true? The game get real since you face reveal? Is this true? Is this true? I mean, that's the type of stuff that uh, I, you know, that I, it's a feature, not a bug, as far as I'm concerned. Like, it, it, I want it, but it does, it, it, yeah, the album doesn't start until track two. <laughs> well, I, I was just thinking of Mad Villainy. It's like, all right, I guess I gotta sit through <laughs> this, this again. <laughs> or they, he was a masked villain. Or you can go to the Chronic that kind of, ha- kind of has a little bit of a new metal uh, uh, connection when, when, um, when Snoop goes dropping plates on that ass, bitch. He's dropping plates before Draymond. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. All right. So we've got our intro out of the way. Cypress Hill, they are back. We've heard it straight from their mouths. Nothing nothing better than a band that doesn't realize how long media lasts. Mm-hmm. Straight up for 99 and 2000. Oh, man. Like, Rap was uh, like totally that. It, back in like the, like the end of the uh, 90s into the early aughts, man, like, like, rappers like act like like the world is about to end you know and had no <laughs> right. sense we of gotta time. put a time and date on this they time and dated everything man no no time is ever as real or as fun it's 1997 yeah like, uh <laughs> i mean naughty by nature called it 1993 they were like this is it nothing's gonna happen after this every stop the every, clocks every album in 93 was yo this is nine tray <laughs> nine trade well, there you have it there it is I all guess right that would be another victory that's right matt you can't fuck with the CISO, please no interruptions the crew pull up guns get waxed in the sun like my right top six five smash you with the switches the hitches you're getting too big for your britches why you running like 
this joint, sucking in hell nuts. Niggas are feeling this track in real hard. What grade A while you motherfuckers? So I will say yeah, this man. about Cypress Hill. Mm-hmm. No band has ever made me or no outfit has made me feel like I'm having more fun in imminent danger than Cypress Hill. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So I was surprised on this record to find out how many songs are about how Cypress Hill will fucking kill you. Um, that is what this song is about. There are many songs on this album about how Cypress Hill will fucking kill you. The lyric I pulled was, your squad against mine, your minor leagues with major detail, the plans like verse, hit hard, catch you off guard, another victory. They also make a reference to Star Wars Episode One. And Scarface in this song. So, I mean, I just love the idea of everyone in Cypress Hill getting together and saying, let's go see Star Wars Episode One. Oh, I've, I've heard I've heard things. Let's go. Do you think that they watched Star Wars Episode One more than once? They have to. They probably okay. did. They probably okay. did. All right. Okay. All right. There we go. Matt, how many times have you seen Star Wars Episode One? Uh, in the theaters, I think I saw it three times and I haven't seen it since. Three times in the theater. In the theater. theater. After the theater, you're like, nah, I don't need to watch it at home. I don't ever need to see this movie again. Why'd you see it three times in the theater, buddy? It's 1999. Had nothing better to do. (laughs) What else was I doing? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I feel like I mean, I saw it once and I was like, I was all sad. What what were What were the other movies playing there? Like that you could. The Matrix. The Matrix. I saw The Matrix Matrix twice twice in theaters. theaters. Lauren, it's well established. I saw Garden State five times in the theater. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. You're insane. I take it back. I take it back. You're only three times with uh, Star Wars. Fresh just made a face that just said, ugh. Garden (laughs) State five times in the theater. Five times? Five times. And we're still really good friends. Sometimes a horrible, corny movie catches you at the right moment when you're like, trying to figure things out and it's like well this is the best north star i've got right now Matt, there's go back in time and i'm never re- re-watching that <laughs> film by the way you see it five go times back in you time and to. tell your old self that there's other things that you could go do <laughs> you can go like miniature golf or um <laughs> miniature golfing Way better than the movie Gardens. Yeah, there's like there's like so many. Th- you could go to um, what, what's that uh, what's that that theme park over on uh Hall Road? Uh, CJ oh, CJ Barrymore. Yeah, go to CJ Barrymore's. Yeah, do some go karting. Yeah. They also Dude, have. I, I a was, very it good was very golf. much like a guy who reads The Great Gatsby and or Catcher in the Rye and can't stop talking about it. And then, like, two years later, is like, yeah, I don't know what was wrong with me there. That was me with Gardens. You were talking there about we it too. Uh, no, I'm. He's on five times. How do you not? If, if he was seen five times and keeping it to himself, he'd be dead today, K Fresh. Did you have any friends back then? No. No, I was miserable. I'd have been like Matt. Quit talking uh, about the damn movie. We'll see another damn movie. Go to Blockbuster. See, Come on, yo. See anything else, dude? See anything else? Um. There's All movies right. at Blockbuster. Go. There's a ton of movies at Blockbuster. Grab one of them. It's going to be better than Garden State. Uh, all right. So the next song is Rap Superstar. All right. People just don't. People just don't see how much work is really involved in this rap shit. I didn't know it. 
I didn't see it. I never saw it until I was actually in it. You really gotta be in it. He's really sounding like Charles like, Manson here. Always gotta, yeah. People always gotta see you smile. You always gotta yeah, put they, on that they, face. They do you know him. Like, Tell no him. matter what you just so you wanna be a rap Watching Garden State with my parents. <laughs> I think we all know Rap Superstar. We all know Rap Superstar. And you know what? Let's just talk about it now. This song, when you get into the lyrics, is basically about any job. Any job. You have this quote up top from Eminem. And later on in the album, they swap it out for the rock version. They, bring, they put some other people in it instead of Eminem. But what Eminem is talking about is like going to work. And that really hit me. He's like, yeah, you got to go and you got to be like nice to people, to people you don't necessarily yeah. like. I was like, yeah, working? Like being an adult? Like, what the yeah. And, and what's also funny is that this song feels like some sort of weird reaction preemptively because this is, I mean, Napster is out, but it hasn't decimated yet. So record sales, I mean, this is like, I think this is what, like a month after InSync or right around, like, I feel like within the same month as InSync drops uh, No Strings Attached and sells right. like 2 million in a week. So record sales are still there, but this still feels like a bit of a reaction to uh, what I remember anecdotally as people kind of pushing back on the Cribs world of celebrity. If oh. you remember the show Cribs on MTV yeah. at the time, oh, yeah. showing off the really nice houses of the rich and famous musicians and celebrities. And I remember a cousin of mine saying when she's like, I have no qualms file sharing because I've seen the Master P episode of, of, of Cribs. Right, These right. people have enough money. And this song is like a weird woe is me of like, you want to do what I do? Rapping, performing for crowds, rocking faces all day and all night. It's difficult. It's a job. It's hard to do. Weird angle to take. And I remember with this song, like I was so like I didn't I wasn't even paying attention to what like Eminem and Noriego were saying in their little interview things on there, the quotes. I, I was just more I was more hurt that I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Eminem and Noriega's on this and they're not dropping a verse. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're, well, we're gonna get to that with the rock with the rock version in a little bit. Right. Um, songmeetings.com had a couple good comments. Acel Baby twenty three twenty three said, "Geez, on all the songs I go to, no one ever posts anything." Oh man, oh, uh, nuts. Then they said, "This is one of Cypress Hill's best songs since all their new shit sucks." No offense to Cypress Hill listeners, but whatever. And then Dingus's said, this is a song about, yeah, I've got millions and a huge house, five cars and a Bentley, but my life is really hard and you should feel for me. Whatever. Talk to someone who's worked in a factory for 40 years and is no further ahead than he was when he started and rap about that shit. There's that pushback. There's that pushback. Right that there. one's from Ooh. 2006, by the way. All right. Up next. Wait, what, Cuban necktie. What the thing I want to talk about, it's kind of like... Uh, it's kind of perfect though that Eminem was on this track though, because um, when I when I when I talked about like the papas of new metal of being like Cypress Hill and and uh, House of Pain, um, I think Eminem had a huge influence on like the next wave of new metal. Um, 
with the with sort of like the combination of Eminem and Linkin Park, sort of mm. like the the bands that would form after like the Slim Shady LP or Mar- Marshall Mathers LP came out into like what you guys call the new new metal. Like right. all those, a lot of those bands grew up listening to Eminem, you know, and, and, and sort of um, incorporate that sort of his sort of style of rapping into their band. Um, I, I've 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 interviewed or you know read about a lot of like bands that you would call like new new metal bands or metalcore bands, and like they all listen to Eminem. So I would. The funny thing is, is like Eminem was a huge influence in hip hop like when he first came out, but in the, during the long run, I think he has just as much influence into certain forms of metal. And it's sort of like crazy, like, like, like a band these days, like uh, from ashes, the new, like big, big, like Eminem influence and also Linkin Park influence. Like it's, it's like Eminem and Linkin Park kind of like we're hand to hand to like, sort of creating a style for the next metal bands uh from ashes to new funny you bring them up i um they were recommended to us i think a few years ago on the show and so i looked into them briefly and i must have clicked something wrong because now i get bands in town reminder emails about them every day and i don't (laughs) care they do a lot of like facebook uh like sponsorship and everything you don't have to tell me man i get the email every day i I interviewed them uh I interviewed them years ago at um at the the last Warp tour, and they had a di- they had a different line. They had like five members at that time, and I think they have like three or four now, like a bunch of them, a few of them. I'll, I'll check the email tomorrow. I'll let you know because I get yeah, one every day. Like, every but, day. But I, but when talking with them, it was just like they were. It was like Eminem, Linkin Park, stuff like that, you know. And you can see you can kind of hear the influence on like the rapidy rap side of like bands that came after all you know eminem and everything to mm-hmm. where they're highly influenced by eminem and mike shinoda all right matt we got oh cuban we got necktie. more cuban necktie Uh-oh. we all know what this is charles mansion charles mansion get him go in slit your throat pull your tongue out the hole whoa I'm 40 years old. What? The joke's on you. I'm 15. Uh-huh. Nothing makes you feel tougher. Nothing makes you feel like, oh, we're in trouble tonight. Yeah, this song is um, also about how Cypress Hill will kill you. So the theme continues. You know um, what the weird thing about this uh, this album is? Is that hmm. is that DJ Muggs got away, um, went away from sample-based production on this record. And I think that's why a lot of it sounds samey. It's sort of like mm-hmm. the same sort of, like little synth funk riffs on mm-hmm. it and same strings in the background yeah. and like even when we get back when we get to the to the the metal discs like you still hear those in the background and i think that's something that people just didn't like at that time about 
about this album. album you know even though like when you listen when you read back all the reviews and everything like the funny thing about re- those reviews and everything that you read like before is that dude writers were feeling themselves at that time man and like they were mm-hmm. they loved using their words man like maybe even more than what like like they're they were being very they're exaggerating the shit you know like i the reason why I never caught on to this is because Muggs kind of went away from his, his, you know, his regular. I have to style. imagine. I have to imagine they had a band meeting and they were like, "How many did we sell? Oh, we're three times platinum. How much did we pay out in royalties? Right to mm-hmm. everything that we sampled, about seventy uh, percent of our take. Yeah, we got to figure something else. Yeah, out. This, this was a huge time where people were getting away from uh, sample. Based samples in the ni- late nineties cost 2x like what i think i mean obviously if you sample you know something something huge still it's gonna you can't sample the beatles and be like that was cheap but like the Mm problem and the problem is back then is that um and it got better in the mid 90s like in the advent with like you know um you know with pete rock and a lot of other people is that they they were sampling this stuff but you could easily tell what it was um Mm -hmm. Later on, as you know, you know, you would see with like Jay Dilla and a bunch of other people, like they would chop that shit up to like to the point where you really didn't know what it was. You know, you could get away with it. Well, I mean, how long did it take him to figure out that Mob Deep took um, Herbie Hancock? Dude, it took it took over like twenty five years for people to realize that, and when they realized that, everybody was like, "I have this album." All the like the hip hop producers and DJs were like, I have this album. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. Which brings up a question What you want from me? Mm. What you want from me? Wanna live my life? Drop my car with my jewels and you're hooking my wife. What you got from me? Fame, opportunity, I guess that ain't enough for ya. You want the look and read? I see what you're saying about the production, because Muggs' production is crazy, but this does not sound as full because he's not sampling like old soul records that kind of have that warmth yeah, no, like and that old richness. Psychedelic records and stuff like that. Yeah, like this just kind of has like that electronic just all everything's in one band instead of just like ooh it feels like it's going across like and warm not even like sampling like old drums and stuff like mm-hmm. and people were doing that a lot during this time and it was just like it took a lot out of people liking shit you know every once in a mm-hmm. while there would be like oh dude he's doing really dope stuff on that stuff like and and this is why I always said um like the Wu-Tang Clan was a uh, you know, could be a pop of new metal was, is that the Rizzo when, and if, if anybody like watches the, uh, the Hulu show about Wu-Tang, great, which is great. Um, you saw how like the Rizzo learned how to m- make music. Like he just bought a, he just bought an NPC, di- didn't have a uh, manual with it, had a deal with it, uh, you know, just figure it out himself. And that's why all those like early Wu-Tang albums are so great is because Rizzo didn't know how to make music. He didn't know anything about music, so it was very raw. And the joke is, is that 
with people is that RZA lost his style when he learned how to make music. Interesting. <laughs> and and I think that's that's kind of like what happened here. You well, know? I've heard a lot of artists say that, you know, to a lesser extent, because I, Fat Mike from No Effects basically was like, our music was a little bit rawer and a little bit edgier when none of us knew exactly how to play it. So it's like, you know, one album, he was just like, I wrote all the songs and gave us a day to record it. And it's like, whatever happened, happened because we kind of were losing our edge because everything was a little too perfect. Right. And that was, that was happening a lot these days because you're, you're locked in the grid. Everything's really locked in a grid. And you're in your, in your, these people are now, these bands, even Cypress Hill are um, competing with the pop artists and their their stuff is very clean and everything, and mm-hmm. and the and the thing was is that like back then record companies and A and R's and everything, they were they were like too into like what's happening now. They just you know it was all about the money and everything, and they never like sort of looked in the future. It was only in the present. So like they it, it was like they were all scared of losing their jobs. So that they like so everybody went the safe route. So yep. like even with this record, it like it sounded like they're going in a safe route, um, you know, not doing samples and not in and getting away from like what like Cypress Hill like truly was, you know, all those crazy samples, the way that, you know, like Muggs produced Jump Around by uh, by House of Pain. That's like the biggest that's the hypest hip hop record of all time. And that, to me, that's like a new metal, like that jump around is like a new metal papa because it's one of those records that like probably every new metal band has covered at one time in a live show. Mm-hmm. Probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what you want for me, the song, it's about uh, the Holy Trinity of Trouble, you guys. It's about haters, backstabbers and hangers on. That's no good. Got to get rid of them. Got to get them out. Get them out. Get them out of there. That's metal right there, baby. You don't need any of those. You don't need it's any of those. It's a big, long no thank you list. No. Nope. Absolutely. Get Absolutely. out of here. Up next, this next song has a pretty incredible diss in it. Uh, this song is called Stank Ass Ho. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> we back. They're back. <laughs> They're back. Another intro. Now all these new niggas trying to bust grapes Keep trying them shitting all over your tape And you'll see these, you see these Niggas with the weed leaves, you need these He'll figures the bust trigger, sicker, sicker The rhyme spitter, spitting over the transmitter I got double platinum records on the wall While you got double cheeseburgers in your toilet stall Cats wanna try me, you must be high Cause you're having okay. fucking illusions, no lie Okay, alright, this okay. diss, this diss okay. right here I got right. double platinum records on the wall while you got double cheeseburgers in your bathroom stall. Ooh. What? This is what I love about like rap music back then is songs like this, man. Like, I got to tell you, man, this guy has leveled you. Not only do you have nothing but a double cheeseburger, you're eating it on the toilet. That's the sad. ultimate indignity. I've, I'm going to this- be asking you. I've been low. I've never been that low. Is this low. aimed at the kings? The kings of cotton? What? The kings of the cotton mouth? Do you think so? The cotton mouth king? You think this is aimed at the cotton mouth kings? Ooh, wait a minute. 
They're talking about like like bud leaves on their thing and their stuff. And wait, did Cypress Hill think they had the uh, market cornered on rapping about weed? And they were like, wait a minute, someone else is rapping about weed. We're going for them. We're taking them down. As stupid as that sounds, that is that is a, a legit way of thinking <laughs> back in two thousand, yo. That's insane. That is it's it's only insane for us now. Only only people can rap about weed is us. Anybody else? I mean, what was it? Cypress Hill HQ. Be real. Be real. Wake up. Wake up. Be real. Look at these guys. Wake up. Look at this. Look at this. Who are these guys? Who are these guys? They're rapping about weed. We are the only people that rap about weed. To the booth. <laughs> like if somebody else, somebody else is doing something that you're doing in any way, they're biting. And most of the time it's just like, eh, no, they, they just grew up the same way you did. Be Real's mom calling him, saying, hey, um, I heard another group rapping about weed. Is that allowed? Mom, it's not. And we're working on it right now. We gotta go! It's like... Um, okay. So, that's that one. Uh, next up, we got High I don't Life. think it is a beef with the uh, Cottonmouth Kings, by the way, because they've done numerous songs together and oh. worked together to get medical marijuana passed. So, okay, probably, yeah, good. There was, good. A, there, was a, there was a lot of people back then, you know, biting Cypress Hill. We'll find out. Who knows? Ooh, High Life. The High. <laughs> uh oh. It's her puffs a lot, though. Yeah, get in that dank. <laughs> Straight up stank for the 99 to the 2000. Casio DX7. Now, what's funny about this one is that uh, when I listened to it, I was like, oh, this is like those beats that Eminem would make post Stan, yep. um, except more boring. Like, the Eminem beats are more boring. Like, he heard this and he was like, this is too funky. I need something more boring. That's what I'll be doing. Um, yeah, a lot I of would the beats this, on here, yeah. like, reminded me of Renegade from uh, Jay-Z's album. Mm-hmm. Yep. And mm-hmm. I, I was yeah. like, oh my god. Like I'm I was so sick of hearing those strings that were in the album and like hearing strings that's on this album back then. Let me tell you. Um, I don't need to hear any fake strings on a rap song ever again. Okay? Okay, I'm just putting it out there. Me, 40-year-old white guy, I don't need to hear them. So, at this point, I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, when's the guitars going to happen? Like when does it happen? Like when can I like how many more of these? You've had enough skull. I've had You're enough ready for some sc- bones. I'm ready for some bones. All right. Um, I, thought they, I thought they might tease a little bit of like some guitars in the first disc, but mm-mm. no. Well, well, the no. reason you guys, and this is something I don't know if you caught this, but the skull, okay, <laughs> that is where your brain is. All right. And that means that you're nodding your head, okay? Oh, yeah. And you're thinking. You're thinking about what Cypress Hill is telling you on this album, which is, we're rich, it's difficult, we'll fucking kill you. That's the themes of Disc One Skull. But then when you get to the bones, yes, and pop music, when you get to the bones, the bones, that's the rest of your body, which is moving in the pit because you're ready to rock, okay? This is definitely what was talked about. Absolutely, yes. Elbows, bones. Exactly. Oh, yeah, I got more got bones, bones are involved. Bones. With the I mean, I mean, let's just run through them real quick. Bones in your body, okay? Finger bones. Yep. Arm bones. 
Yep. Wrist bones. Tons neck of them. bones. All of them. All the bones. They're, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to list them all. There's too many. But like they ribs. are throughout your body. The ribs. Oh, shit. Rib bones. Rib bones. Ankles. There's Leg. bones in there. Legs. Have, have we like mentioned? Elbows There's to like when you're elbow. in the pit. Oh. Yep. It's true. I'm just getting an update here. Uh, there's a bone in your pelvis. Right. There you go. There it is. There it is. And, uh, All and right. like guys in our 40s, we probably it probably hurts right now. Oh, everything oh, hurts. Everything hurts. My, my foot hurts for no reason uh, for the past three days. No, makes yeah. no sense. All right. So next up, we're almost through these skulls. We got certified bomb. All right, now we. I'm stop. I've already stopped it, <laughs> dude. Um, it's not a good beat. What it's is not, happening? It's not Mugs. a good beat. It's not a good Mugs. beat. Mugs, Mugs. What are we doing? Right. We've had we've had single boop boop boop, and now we got oh all oh, right, all right. I'm gonna start it again, but there was a lot of this at that time, man. A lot of this. I knew a girl in Victoria Falls. She had a waterfall, and I would fall for her all the time. And then she would come into the thing. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're good. We're good. We're good. All right. I know he's uh, about to go in, but yeah. Well, Matt, I think we get it. you missed the line. You're a hot dog with no mustard. You're flustered. I'm calm. All right, we got it. We got it. We I got mean, it. I like be real. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I he love real be spitting real. on this album, you know. Yeah. But the funny thing is, like, he's spitting in a way where he wants you to hear every word. You know, he's really accentuating everything he's, on this album. He's enunciating. Enunciating yeah. everything. Enunciating. Man, All right, up next. Can I get can a I hit? Can I get a hit? Yo. Handle it. You know. Son, you need a tic tac. Your breath is gonna blind me. That's um, drinking with rhymes with drinking on a hiney. Mm-hmm. Your breath is gonna blind me. Yes, spitting, spitting. This is a bars. song. This bars. is a song about how Be Real hates it when he is at a party smoking weed and someone bogarts that weed. And don't we he gets, all? He gets he gets really specific. He talks about how they hand it back to him and now it's wet from their mouth. Yeah, and uh. how that's gross. Which I'm like. Yeah, that sounds super gross. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you here. I will admit, though, that this is this one feels a little bit like a dad complaint. You know, like this is not a complaint you make when you're younger. You might be like, I hey, don't bogart it. But this feels a little bit like older guy complaining about young people drooling like, hey, on his wait a minute. I have a 401k. I don't need you to get my spliff away. I mm-hmm. just want to keep my joint and keep it near me. I want to smoke weed. Be cool. He's yeah. just sick of uh, it, though. Like, after all these years of being, like, like high-level weed guy and, like, these scavengers oh, yeah. come true. by and, like, want to smoke mm-hmm. his weed and don't want to put, like, a fiver on it, man. Yo. Mm-hmm. I-, I would have complaints, uh, too. 
the uh, the 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 quote I wrote down here is wrote down here is but nothing's worse when someone's asking for some weed. What do I look like? A tree where the bud grows? Here, pick my left nut and smoke it in the bowl. Ooh, ooh. Got, that's, got him. That's yo, he smokes right weed. There. He's not the dealer, yo. That's right. This is my personal. This is not communal. Right. Go so find your own. In, yeah. If you want in. I better know you. Right. Okay. Right. Next up. Do this we is, live this shit? We live this we? shit. Dude, this, this is a very, this, this album's very, like, relatable, though. We know all, we know people that do all this shit. We live this shit. Of course. This shit. Really, we are at Casio DX7 level mm. synthesizer here. So okay. I didn't really I didn't really like this one either, but it once again continues the theme of the album. Cypress Hill, they're still here. They're from LA. And if you fuck with them, they'll kill you. But we're gonna burn some trees while we do it. Well, that's the funny thing about the song where he's like, people are stealing my weed. He just sounds like annoyed and he sounds sort of powerless. He's like, They took my weed, what am I gonna do? I'm so annoyed. All I can do is make this song. And all these other songs are like, if you mess with us, we'll kill you. And it's like Okay. I mean, I guess there's levels to that. He maybe is talking about something else. Like, you start a fight, they'll kill I mean, you. So, I guess... Yeah, stealing yeah. some weed, like, hogging the weed is not, like, a killable offense. Right. Especially, okay. we're supposed to be That's fair. Right That's fair. Right. We're supposed to be chill right now. We're chilling, right. you know. Mm, absolutely. It, it annoys him, but he's, like, he'll let it go, you know? Right. He's like, But on the very next song, you know, maybe that's what it is, is that he lets it go... And then they make another song, and he's like, "No, we are gonna kill everybody." <laughs> it's like he's like he's like he's not mad at you, but he's disappointed. Yeah, mm, yeah. I keep thinking about that dude who doesn't bring weed and then gets my my shit all wet. And he's always in the cipher, you know, like I'm gonna fucking kill that guy. Like, why is he always around? But like, I don't think he ever brings his own weed, man. Like, wh- what the fuck's why? up with that dude? Like, whose oh, friend man. is that, yo? Who's uh, fr- who knows who's, this dude? Who knows, who knows this, this guy? guy? That is always th- the question. I thought he was your boy. Oh. No, no one, no one wants to own him. No one wants to own that guy. No. Oh, He's not your boy? He ain't my boy. Like, who, who is he? Who who brought him here? And then it's always a question. How do you find out? How do you find out about the party? You know? Did someone accidentally Facebook invite this guy? Like, how, how'd he get here? How did it happen? That's his did brother, you? dude. Yeah. I mean, the, the other problem is if you do a Facebook event and you don't make it private just to the people you invite... You're setting yourself up for failure, okay? That's how you get those people showing up that you don't want to see. Just putting it out there. Um, we got one more on Skull, and it's skull. called World By. One more Skull. Wow, we are in exactly the same beat, <laughs> just a different tempo land. Holy moly. Matt, I have a feeling that Cypress Hill, in at nine, 
out by 4.30. That's what I hear about M now. Like, he, this is a oh, job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wrap my wraps on a clock. <laughs> if you don't like it, you can suck my cock. I'm the guy who writes the rhyme. Doobity time. Uh, so this one uh, basically says you don't want to mess with you do not want to mess with Cypress Hill because they are worldwide. If you are oh, anywhere you in the entire world, you say something bad about Cypress Hill. Oh, and Sandog pop out of a bush. Started this this song. Look at that. Yeah, there you go. I That's I enjoy f- Sandog. Is that the on first one on the album that he starts off? Yeah, I think so. I think I so think too. Yeah. Um. So that's the skull. All right, everybody. You've been nodding your head. You've been thinking about the lyrical thematic ideas here. But now it's time to get into them bones. Let's get in them bones. Them that's bones. right. Disc two, baby. And not the Alice in Chains song. No. Oh, great please great no, song. Thank you. Great song. Great song. All right. We got bones. And it is called <laughs> Valley of Chrome. There we go. Instantly better. Instantly. You can't hide from the man with the master plan. Hot for your head, how I could just kill a man. Hey, yo, where you at, baby? Keep your head low, damn. Got you on the camcorder in the black minivan. You cross line, time for the light to blind. You can run, but I never be far behind. never been having so much fun near eminent danger and when cypress hill is going at it let me tell you it's like i kind of want to go to the valley of chrome but i might die there I'm gonna, it sounds is great. the valley of chrome like a like a car thing or a gun thing because i don't know oh i think it could be both <laughs> I think it's Definitely a drive-by both. situation i think it's both i think they drive up and you're like this chrome is nice and then they're like you've been uh you've been talking about cypress hill ben and it's like, nope, no, nope, not no. me. And then the guy next to you goes, I have pop, pop, pop. That's it. Went down in the Valley of Chrome. Uh, I love this. This was great. The riff on the chorus is tasty. I dig it. It's very strong. It's a good merging, you guys, of rap and rock. Rap and rock. And it had a rap nice, that rock. beginning sounded like old Cybers Hill. Like, it's got a bottom like, end. I was like, yo, that that sounded like old Cypress Hill, those first couple, like, you know, seconds. I was like, all right, this is how you start a Cypress Hill song. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. The good good beat, the, the guitar tone, the looping guitar totally worked for the vibe. He comes in. It felt so much fuller than everything that we had heard. Like the last five tracks of Skull mm-hmm. all felt a little thin. Yeah. This felt full. Like I'm like. I'm vibing. I'm liking this. I'm going to make a point here, you guys. Follow me on this. Human body. You got to have the skull. And you got to have the bones. Okay? You got to have those. But then you also got to have the meat. You got to have the guts. 
You got to have all that if you want to be moving and grooving through the world. All right? And that's what this song's got. It's got that meat. It's got some meat on the bones. That boy got some meat. That's right. Give me that meat in the Valley of Chrome. Um, So, yeah, immediately my attention perks up. I'm like, yes, this is what we're talking about. I enjoy it. Songmeetings.com commenter elimination said, good shit. I like it when they add a hard rock twist to their songs. Me too, elimination. And then super unknown said, meaning I will fuck you up. (laughs) Right there, man. See? There it is. Somebody using that website for what it's for. For what it's for. I was very happy to see this. This got me in a good mood again because I'll be honest with you, through a lot of skull, I was like, I was getting worried. I was like, okay, it's rap and I get it. But I mean, I'm hoping they can bring some heat with the with the bones. I w- I wish just even on this song, like they used like the the bass line from this song like a lot more on the first disc. Mm-hmm. And it still could have been hip hop. Still could have been. It still could have been. Yeah, so uh, a strong start to the Bones disc. All right, Matt. We're feeling good. We got meat on them bones. Got some meat on them bones. All right. Time to talk about Get Out of My Head. gentlemen we have chug let's go once again the upbeat tempo the chug i was getting more of a body count angle than say a corn one but this builds perfectly to the chorus and then also lyrically very new metal lyrics whispers darkness the hardest time ain't never gonna feel all right feeling my soul in the hole i can't breathe and i'm frightened for my life think i need help or i dwell in hell because i got a grip too tight he can't breathe he can't breathe if you can't breathe you're probably in a new metal song baby right <laughs> plus, plus we're getting out of the head we're getting out of the skull to mm-hmm. the bones to lungs that's right that's the right lungs, the bones we're no longer mm-hmm. in the skull and they need to get out of their head get out of that skull Oh, yeah. It's all right there. It's all in the text, you guys. It's all in the text. I wrote this fits. And also, the thing is, is that this doesn't feel like somebody outside their wheelhouse. Right. They slot in perfectly. This sounds just right. This would fit in perfectly in a uh, in a Cypress Hill concert. I don't think anyone would, would say, hey, what are we doing here? No, they say, nope, this is perfect. I'm just kind of shocked that we only get six songs on this disc. 
Like, why can't we get 11 Bones songs and only six? Because it seems or like... eight and ap- eight. Eight and eight. Yeah. Well, the funny thing also is that it feels like they ran out of... I mean, they kind of run out of ideas after track six on the first one. It almost feels like they could have made it a nice tight 12, you know? I agree. Yeah. So, in any event, I enjoyed this one very much. You guys too? Yep. What's what's great about Cypress Hill is that like their live show as it you know as their careers went they they started adding you know musicians and instrumentation and whatnot that was a big part of of why um Eric Bobo uh you know joined the group and so like songs like this would probably like go over quite well mm-hmm. in, in in one of their concerts at that time and other stuff would actually have like you get like a different perspective or a different sound or a different facet in their in their live show because they're looking to be more of like a band a funk band or whatnot so like like, like i said it wasn't shocking that he, they would eventually do this record mm-hmm. do a rock record like this but yeah like you said it fits right in their wheelhouse yeah songmeanings.com oh sorry matt go ahead yeah no the in that moment when K Fresh was kind of going through that, something hit me like a bolt, and it was L.A. Like the because they're these guys are from L.A. Right? Yeah. I'm not wrong about that. They did mention and, it in a song a couple tracks ago. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they mentioned it nearly every track. Um, yeah, there's a whole song about it. We just listened yeah, to. We just listened to, but it's okay. These guys are from L.A. Right? Corn has that song that goes. Your, wait a minute. What, anyway, wait. How is it? Wait, what's this corn song you're talking about? Believe Oh, with the ride symbol. Yeah, I've heard that. I can't remember the name of it. It's right there. I'll say this. I'll say this, Matt. Just the like, um, the way Cypress Hill and also House of Pain sounded, like everybody thought they were from the East Coast. Like, um, and then with because of the jump around video in the Boston jersey, right, right, right. Everybody thought they were from Boston. No, all these guys were from L.A. Um, Everlast what before uh, you know House of Pain was a part of uh, Ice T's Rhyme Syndicate crew, so like he had like deep hip hop like roots and everything. So like all these guys that like were sort of white rappers or white adjacent kind of with be real or whatever, like they they weren't just like they weren't like a Charles Mansion <laughs> coming out of. They were like legit had um hip hop roots, so that's why they like got so much like respect instantly. yeah what I, the what i was kind of also hearing is there's an interview with david lee roth where he talks about being a band in la and having to kind of be exactly where his audience was because they would play shows where the cultural mix was way different than I'm just playing a rock show. Yeah. I'm in a place, I'm in a place where it's like, Whoa, it's a lot more Latino here. So like, we're going to put a little bit more of this in where it's like, it's a better melting pot because there is more diversity. And it's like, I hear this and I can hear like, it's just a, it's just a place that we're from, you know, it's like the diversity is around us. There's, you know, suicidal tendencies, is a great example of that. It was like, no, we're, this is still us. Like it's very much in our culture and all over the culture of where we are because LA is got so much in it. So that's all I was. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, man. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. I mean, this is also, you know, why, you know, I mean, when you listen to a band like smashing pumpkins, you're like, well, all these songs about hot dogs without having any 
ketchup on it. These guys are clearly from Chicago. Feel very Chicago. Very <laughs> Chicago. Absolutely. Yeah, you go so. to Chicago and try to put, uh, and I've lived this, you try to put ketchup on your hot dog. Someone will come out of nowhere in like question. Valley of Chrome. It's a Valley of Chrome situation. That's what happens. <laughs> They're gonna kill you. Hundred percent. Oh, totally. I watched. We we can put an... sports peppers on it. We can put relish on it. Mustard on it. A fucking pickle. But if you dare touch that ketchup, hot dog police. Hot dog police. Hot dog police. Everywhere. Hot dog police are on you. They're hot on you. Hot dog police. Police. Yeah. Uh, um. I want to mention there was one comment on songmeanings.com. It was from Lane Vane who I believe is a fan of both Lane Staley and Mudvayne, who said, sick-ass song. My band covers this song, and it always gets a good reaction from the audience. That's how good this song is. It's being performed by Lane Vane in fucking VFW Hall, and it's still crushing. I think he, what he's saying, you might have a lost classic here. Just saying, get out of my head. Cover bands, get it, get it into your repertoire. Yeah. All right, up next, we finally have a song that was a single with a music video. Can't get the best of me. Hell no, you can't handle a man on my superior strength. I've been rocking for years, now it's time to go to length. MCs and they tracks, I stop them. My rhyme style, make a ton dropper. My concepts come sick like Dennis Hopper. I jack food, suffer, stick them like dirty coppers. Like I said before, I'm taking you label whores down to the bone. Y'all can dance on your go fours. Only one way to deal with these softies. Take their ass out like he rolls did Ray Fossey. And when you take me, you better freestyle. Cause my can go on and on and on for miles. You can't get the best of me. Kind of their version of a fucking throw your hands up in the air song. Absolutely. This one, you can't hold me down, and the themes are very new metal. The band sounds good, very sturdy. There's a crunchy bridge section at 239. The sectional lyrics I wrote down, remove that sucker and the whack-ass shit, because every time I see he's acting like a bitch, so let's get it straight. I smoke the competition, breaking down fools in my mother is my motherfucking mission. One by one, they'll all come out missing. You Woo. can't fuck with this here, kid. I ain't bitchin'. Whoa! Whoa! He's not bitching. He's just spit. Yeah, he's spitting and he's spitting facts. I'm just fucking laying down bars, bro. Listen, you got some bars? You want some? Because they've got them here. This song, I will say, we were talking a lot about the audience for this uh, for this band. How the audience is a mix of black people, white people, Latino people, people from all walks of life. I will say after having watched this music video, though, I have to believe that their audience is 100% male. <laughs> I don't believe there is anything for a female audience here. This is so heavily testosterone, so heavily macho that I could just see, I, I can only imagine Jenny watching this and being like, Okay, this one's for the boys. Well, <laughs> I'll just sit this one out. Well, if you um, go back to the first yeah. disc, I was actually uh, surprised that uh, Stink Ass Ho was just about, like, whack yeah. people, and it wasn't yeah. about women. No, it was, yeah, we should mention that it was not about women. They're just talking about somebody else. Honestly, I don't think there's really anything about 
like sex or anything about any sort of relationships this is purely about we're rich don't be mad at us about it but also don't steal our weed but yeah there doesn't seem to be any sort of there's no bad relationship stuff on this if the bad relationships it's with people who bogart your weed that's the bad relationship or people that that want money but yeah there doesn't really seem to be um yeah, anything about any ladies. Um, like, except in any Phil capacity. really wasn't like a band like that. It wasn't a group that would have like sex songs or and stuff like that. They were not even this... one. I'm sure they have. If I if I if we go back and like dig deep, but like you can't really like off the top of my head. They were just never a hip hop group that would like have songs like that. You know. Mm. They would have songs about loving their weed, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And is that in why, this case, the girlfriend is weed. Is that why it ultimately didn't work out for Be Real and Carmen Electra? She was like, "You gonna write a song about me this time?" And he's like, "Girl, you ain't weed." <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Carmen Electra in the '90s, and he's like, "I can't. I'm sorry." You know, think about it. He five albums. Be real. And, Be, Be real. Like, disagrees with the end of <laughs> Half to Bake. He's like. Nah, don't love pussy that much. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, at the end of it, he's like, wait a minute. I don't know. I need to I check the math here on this. <laughs> like, the, maybe she was just too much, man. He's like, the weed's always here, always ch- makes me calm down and chill. And she always just gives me a headache, you know? So, mm, maybe. Well, she did. I believe the move was she left him and she went to Dave Navarro, right? Yeah, Dave Navarro. Right. Dave Navarro, I believe, in two thousand one was literally walking sex. I think oh, he was yeah. just like, "I'm just sex. I'm just slithering around." At that time, Never, like, I own no shirts. At that time, I'm pretty sure like any woman who ever saw Dave Navarro in L.A. reported it on the internet, like on message boards or whatnot. Like, I saw Dave Navarro today. Honestly, if it, I saw Dave Navarro today, experience. I would also post. I would also post about it. There is a music video. I just want to mention the music video for this song. I just copied from the Wikipedia, and it's uh, the song music video begins with a man in a locker room lacing up his boots. The camera pans to a reveal a crowd of people in the room with him who go into a factory for a fight. Another man is in a bathroom alone getting ready for a fight before he punches a mirror. The two men begin to fight while the crowd forms a circle pit around them. Many people are carried off from the fight, bloody and bruised. The two men return to the ring, standing back to back in the center of the crowd. Two other men join them before Send Dog gives them a thumbs down and the crowd attacks them. The crowd engulfs the men, carrying two of them away and jumping the other two. The video ends with the same man of the video starts sitting in the locker room and looking over his scars. Now, I want to point out this whole thumbs up, thumbs down thing. I mean, clearly gladiator in the culture at this point. I got to believe that was some level of, of impact here. Also, because I believe this 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 single, I think, came out. Yeah, this came out as a single. Yeah, October of two, October 31st, 2000. So, yeah, so they would have all seen gladiator at that point. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Very hot at that time in regards to battles. But this is an incredibly sweaty boy video. All right. Well, to stay with this theme, the next song is called A Man. A Man? Another body murder. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Or just another victim. Another victim. Don't let nobody treat me like crap. Put heads on shelf and smack them off racks. The best in the game. I smoke on these tracks. Throw the mask, still plan for holding me back. Sure, bum rush the office with a gap. Then niggas see where my mind is at. Back me up to the wall, see how I react. But I keep 
Let's this, go. This chorus is hard as nails, you guys. Let's go, you, man. You can't fuck with me. I'm everything you ever want to be a fucking man. Wow. Wow. Hell yeah. Wow. If you, if you are at the gym and someone is doing reps and dropping some plates to this song, go home. Work out Steer later. Steer clear. Work out later, okay? Steer they are the going fuck clear. Might, Holy he, shit. He might, he might throw a barbell at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This um, guy is not sensitive, okay? Mm-hmm. No, this is not a sensitive man. I wrote down the lyric, I got the beef, but no road I got dropped. And take each day, the bullshit don't stop. Gotta, got to act with like a man because I don't suck cock no matter how bad I want to get to the top. Interesting scenario being presented here that apparently at some point, Send Dog and Be Real were told, you guys have sold 5 million copies, but if you really want to get really big, you should probably suck a dick. I don't know. I'm going to push back on this on this scenario, you guys. But at that time, push like, back. At that time, that was like the 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 way to tell to like definitely say that you're a man is that like you don't do no homo shit, you know. Right. That that that, that was the way like even though like that makes no sense to like when it comes down to it, but that was definitely the way that you had to tell yourself you're a man you know as i mean as you pointed out we are months away from homophobic hall of fame marshall mathers lp so <laughs> i mean uh i mean this didn't surprise me so much um but it is it is it is one of those things where at the time definitely fits with the era but you hear it now and you're like this dude sucked a dick <laughs> Oh, like, yeah, my lady does that. protest <laughs> yeah, too I mean, much. You brought it up. It's, and no, you know it's what? T- it totally, it's totally fine. At that time, like, it's fine. being a man was like was connected to your dick. Either you don't oh, suck 100%. it or you use it to fuck, you know? Yeah. That's yes. it. No, that's don't it. even bring up Two peeing. Uses. You're fucking a woman, you know? Just That's how you're a man. How many, how many penises, how many vaginas has your penis gone into? And that's that's what makes you a man. That's that that's what the that's scale the real was. body count. Yeah, that was the body <laughs> the count. Real, back then, the yeah. real body count. You know, I enjoyed this song, but um, man, it's it's okay. It's okay. You know what? Not everything ages like fine wine. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And and like no, it doesn't. And like me and Matt were kind of doing at the beginning. It gives little helmet vibes. Like from, oh yeah, from mm. uh, Judgment uh, Judgment Night. I can see that Quick as well. Quick cue, Lauren. How yeah. respectful of our time is this album? Matt, when you put the skull disc with the bones disc, it comes to a total 64 minutes and 27 seconds. Honestly, for a double disc, that does seem respectful of your time. I'm just going to point out they could have put this all on one disc. <laughs> and, and, and cut out 15 plus minutes. And know the, and know the thing is... No, we, I mean, they could just put all of it on one disc. Like, they didn't uh, need to put it on two discs. And know, know, know the thing is, and we talked about the uh, the marketing of this, I feel like they had a lot more fun doing this rock disc, but at the time they were told you can't just put out a rock album. It would be too I hard agree. of a left for your, your, your audience. So it was like they had to do hip hop stuff and then they were decided just to break it up into two discs, you know, because that was the thing to do kind of like back then. Like, I, I don't even know if they wanted to do that first disc, you know, the way it sounds. Honest, honestly, the way it sounds, it does sound I mean, like a walkthrough. 
does sound like a bit of a one. Oh, guys, just got an email from Ashes to New have invited me to a contest to play video games with them. Oh. <sighs> Are you going? How, how do I get off of this mailing list? I don't want to. <laughs> Is it in person or virtual? <laughs> it's in person. You win the contest. You get to play PlayStation or Xbox, and then they're going to sign it and make you take it. God, I don't. I don't. Just leave me alone. Just leave me alone from Ashes to New. Um, uh, oh, there was a comment on songmeanings.com for this song. It's from Hotness2000, who said, cool song. Surprised no one has commented on it before. You're Classic. Me. Oh, Does it get any better? Classic songmeanings comment. Classic. Up next, we got Dust. The team looking for fiends between cracks, searching for cream. Physical energy can never be lost. Never will cleverly render you gone into the sentient bone. Suckers are looking for treasures and pleasures, endeavors and measures of plastic material. Whenever you're ready, it's steady rolling with deadly and friendly territory. A glorious story I've heard, nothing but hate for me. Coming for ghetto, the widows are holding the metal. Settle for gas, are we passing you plastic in the pedal? Down to the floor in the core of your soul. If you pour every bit of your strength in your blood, you can't take it no more. Why did you dread it? Forget it, I said it, the fuck off. Now you be headed, said I'm making the turn that you lost. That's what you get for putting them, hunting them all. Giving them something to push in the ball. Middling. It's it's okay. It's not great. I like the chorus. I like the chorus, the chorus of got what you want, got what you need, the hardcore break in the law, the new seed, yes, they want more, Cypress Hill, Soul Assassins, we smoking 420 all day, we ain't joking. 420 all day, that clock is broken. 420 all day, all day. These guys are just like, I have an appointment at like 830. Mm. Well, it's, it's been 420 for 16 hours, so you probably missed it. <laughs> Do you even know what day it is? He's like, shit, I don't. I don't even know when I made this appointment. Damn. Terrible. Fuck. Oh, man. But at the same time, here's the thing. For a bunch of guys, this is the most energetic 420-related song I've ever heard. My gosh. I agree. Right. That's that's up there, man. Energy is there. And if you go to 210, there's some riffing with some scratching into a solo. These are not tossed off rockers, okay? Even though we're in the bones, they still were using a little bit of their skull to think these through, all right? That was the thing I was honestly most impressed with the bones disc is that it doesn't feel like the easy cash and it could be where they just get some session guys to rock it up, quote unquote. Like they're like, no, we're getting old Wolpers in here, all right? We're getting Dino, Brad Wilk on drums. You know that boy can hit them skins? I feel like the rap style on this was like, I didn't really enjoy it too much. I feel like it was uh, very influenced by like what Eminem was doing at the time. And I feel like a lot, there was a lot of people who were trying to like kind of up their game at the time, but you could, you could kind of tell it wasn't really in their comfort zone, especially Sendog. 
Oh, he's he's rapping for his life. He's right. rapping very fast, and he's like, "I'm, I'm I've got to do this. I got to do this." I ran I out of breath listening. This. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. And he's like, 420 all day. We ain't joking." And then he's like, "Oxygen." <sighs> Like, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know what? I still, at the same time, I was on the ride at this point. I was enjoying it. I could have taken six more, but sadly we're on the last song. It's rock superstar. And this time, instead of Eminem and Noriega, they said, you guys, you ain't rock. We need to get some rockers in here. That's right. It's Chino Marino and Everlast. A lot of, uh, sharks out there trying to take a bite of something was hot a lot of chameleons out there trying to change up Man, he's so sexy anytime something new goes oh. along he's doing it right everybody wants a bite wants don't a happen bite. overnight so you want to be a rock superstar and live large big house five cars you're in charge coming up with the world don't trust nobody gotta look over your shoulder constantly i remember the days when i was a young kid growing up all right it's the same song right like just with with guitars. I mean, when, when you get to the chorus, when you get to the chorus, let's get to the chorus. Get the chorus. Right. You hear those guitars. I'm gonna miss it, so I'm just gonna let it ride while we talk here. But mm-hmm. all right. <clears throat> okay. Yep. Still Oh, distortion. Oh, oh. Here we go. I don't know. It fucking works for me, guys. I kind of like it still. Oh, I've, Matt. I've heard, it, I've heard it way too much, but it still plays. I, I got Matt. just so sick of it. I don't even think mm. I ever liked it. You know, it just was like, eh, this is kind of corny, man. I never liked it, but I will tell you, listening to it for the show, listening to it now, I had this brief moment where I was like, do I do I need to go to my shift at Best Buy right now? <laughs> like, am I am I late? Am I late to my senior year of high school? Do I need to go? Man, this really does take me back. This song was so omnipresent. It's crazy. It was. It was a very popular song. Yeah. I understand why. It's mm-hmm. incredibly accessible. Oh, mm-hmm. totally. Totally accessible. Totally. Now, this is something that I'd seen talked about online. I know that um, a Holiday Kirk had posted about it, that the featuring Chino and Everlast on this song is such a bait and switch because you go into the song thinking you're going to get a Chino section, an Everlast section, and it's just them talking about the troubles of being a rock superstar. Um, and that's the interesting uh, switch here from the rap superstar. Because Eminem is talking about how he's got to be on his best behavior. He's got a glad hand. He's got a smile. He's got to do all these things. He's got to, it's like a job, man. But what is Chino talking about? Was Everlast talking about? They're talking about biters. They're talking about imitators. They're talking about people coming for the crown, coming for them. And as we know, doing this show, 300 plus episodes, people be coming for that Chino crown, man. 
There's a people lot of people are, in Chino's house. Yes, a lot of people in Chino's house. He runs like, he has like a mansion or a hotel. Like Chino, invest in a ring camera, buddy. You can put the app on your phone. It's interesting that that's the switch there. That that on the rock version, they're concerned about a bunch of posers and biters, um, as opposed to it being a job. Um, it sounds to me like they're that uh, the concern for Chino is like losing the job to the biters to the wannabes which is just an interesting twist that i guess does differentiate the two songs in ways that i did not consider in 2000 when i was just a young boy songmeanings.com the oz man commented uh-huh. i can only this can only be ozzy osbourne I don't know Oz-Man. Oh. has to be ozzy yep they said this song just kicks ass i don't like rap but these rapsters are cool because they put hard rock in their music and it sounds cool the only one who could get away with saying rapsters is Ozzy. Ozzy. So, yep. Because mm-hmm. boy, that felt like a dump in my pants. Like these rapsters, <laughs> these, these rapsters, you know. That, that guy right there is like the quintessential fan base of like everything that I t- talked about at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. People, That's people the guy. that know nothing about rap or hip hop that love Cypress Hill or Wu Tang Clan or House of Pain and. They don't know any lingo at all. And they sound like total and they'll even like they'll even say something like totally racist in the middle of saying how much they love it. And wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a few wait, black wait. friends and I wait. can tell you like, wait oh. a minute. I, I just wanna I just wanna check myself right now. Are you telling me that rapster is not uh common terminology? Ra- Ooh. Raps uh, Rapster? No? I mean, cause some of my favorite rapsters, um, Tupac, Shakur, um, Tupac. Jazzy, Jazzy, love Jazzy, and uh, as you were talking about the the uh, the Wu Tang Clan, but that that sounds like something of that time, you know, when we were just putting stir at the at the end of anything. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Gotta. There's a video for Rock Superstar. A guy with frosted tips goes into a Cypress Hill funhouse where he is made over as some kind of cool guy with a slick suit and a chain that says me. Be real raps from a podium done up to look like Fidel Castro. At the end, there is a brief mosh pit, and the frosted tip, tips guy runs away from the guys in the mosh pit, and then the entire funhouse explodes. This video is so 1999-2000 that it hurts. Its sheen is blinding. It's CGI terrible. It's a gem. I think it should go in the new metal junk drawer. I was just and about guys, to say that. <laughs> I guys said that is that is where that needs to go because if you see, especially when he pulls out the chain that says "me," I was like, "Junk drawer, baby, you going in?" Believe it or not, you guys, skull and bones. That's the album. No, no, the thing with that song though is that mm-hmm. it reminds me of a like I've seen this so many times where like you'll have like a, a rap act or a hip hop artist like kind of forced themselves to do a rock version of a song and yeah. it was so like it, it just didn't fit the funny thing is all those other songs that they did on this disc they fit but this song it just sounded corny you know like it was like a forced rock song you know like 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 because it's more of a pop rock song than it is a straight rock song yeah it, like you ever see somebody on stage that doesn't do rock music who does a rock song and they're just on stage like headbanging and wailing around very stupidly like that's what that song reminds me of like something Mm -hmm. like that 
But at the same time, this is one of those situations, though, where they have to make a song like this if they want to be viable, but they have to have some sort of built-in plausible deniability. Yeah. And so this is real, allows them to have their cake and eat it, too. Oh. Truly. That, that's that's what that era was all about. Like, let's have that song where we'll... Uh, we'll We'll just put it somewhere on the album. It'll, it'll be the song, but like we'll have every we'll have what we really want to do on the Rusty album. We need a single, and this mm-hmm. will work for that. It's kind of like I mean, what eventually happened with uh, Back to School, like with Deftones. Mm, right. uh, like, like that was some that was kind of a joke that that the record company was like, "Oh yeah, that sounds good," and then it became mm-hmm. a really big hit. Kind of the same situation as honestly, Ben Folds Rock in the Suburbs. Yep, mm. that single also. And Blink Blink One Eighty Two got that too with "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket," where they were like trying to do other things, and then the record label's like, "No, we need fucking hits." And they were like, that night they just puked out three songs that were like <laughs> the big hits from that record. That's how it goes, baby. All right, guys, it's now the part of the show where we talk about cannon talk. Let's talk about that. K Fresh, we'll start with you. What do you think? Okay. The first disc, not at all. Like, there's nothing. That's just whatever. Sure. It was kind of like the the kind of like the foundation of what this album was, but it was just more of a marketing thing. I feel like it has nothing to do. But the second disc, uh, I'm not sure if the thing is like the first like four songs, three or four songs, I think are killer, and could be like a part of like the canon so i'm i'm like saying that you know we could probably put the second disc in the canon since there's like an overwhelming like there's like a majority of songs that i think could go in the canon and sort of like even though i don't necessarily like rock superstar it's kind of, it, it's the important song of the of the mm. album and it, it, it has to fit into like the lore of this album, so I'd put the second disc in. Okay, all right, Matt. You know, I, I definitely agree with the first album, and when I hear the second album, I feel like it is a or the 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 bones. The bones. Uh, when I hear the bones, I'm like, hmm, because they're, Valley of Chrome. I feel like, come on, that that's got it. That that's that's sweet get out of my head i'm there rock superstar i feel like isn't even though it's not the best it is an important song i feel like it is a crossover it's a bridge we don't have like too many that are like there was at one point where you might have enjoyed rock superstar right (laughs) like it was it was a big crossover moment so you know when you're over half of a second album it kind of feels like put the whole thing in but I could be swayed. What do you think, Lauren? You know what? I really enjoyed the Bones disc. I had a really good time with it every time I was listening to it. And I th- and part of it is coming off of the Skull disc. I'm just like at a low ebb. My energy's low. And then Valley of Chrome hits and I'm back, baby. I was back every time. Every listen, <laughs> I was like, oof, I'm back. Valley of Chrome. My problem, though, is that at six tracks, it feels like an appetizer. It feels like a tease mm, totally. to what could have been a real great top-to-bottom record. Because the thing is, is that mm. that's six really good songs. You know? I 
I feel like they could have really had a real crusher here. And as it stands, it's just not quite there. I honestly was like, none of it. I mean, even though Rock Superstar, we kind of like have it as like a bridge track. At the same time, none of us, I think, like actually like it. <laughs> and like, it feels like more of just like a nostalgia turn than actually like a quality thing. And I don't know that it actually is. It feels like faux important if that makes sense like yeah. it has the sheen about it because it was so ubiquitous but in like the history there's almost the sense somebody posted this thing recently about like there's certain movies that came out that were like the number one movie and they made like a billion dollars but they were so like of actual content so little that like no one talks about them anymore and they don't mm -hmm. really matter and uh, like one of the examples was like swat from 2003 which was like the number one movie in america but like SWAT has no meaning. It was just like a popular movie for a couple weeks. And with Rock Superstar, I kind of feel the same way. Like it doesn't feel like when I hear it, I didn't think I was hearing like an essential text. I was just hearing more of like an artifact of an era, yeah. which felt different to me. So for me, while I enjoyed all of it, I wouldn't put anything from the Bones disc in. What if we just Matt, put what, what, Valley of Chrome in? Do we think, we, is that what we're thinking? Just Valley of Chrome? I'd be good. Valley of Chrome seems kind of unmissable. I, I, I like Valley of Chrome a lot, but I also could just say, you got to throw Rock Superstar in the junk drawer then. Because... <laughs> okay. Well, Rock well, rock, rock Superstar video, 100% in the junk drawer. Okay. The yeah, video's the video, in there. Yeah. Video's I'm in. Good with that. Video's in. Valley of Chrome in the new metal cannon. Okay. I'm Perfect. Good. I'm good. There I'm we good go. We did it. We did it. We threaded the needle. And that does bring us to the end of another episode of Roach Coach. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on saying hello to us online. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Roach Coach and all of those. K-Fresh, where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Um, you can uh, check out my website, Fresh is the Word. That's at uh, freshistheword.xyz. You can catch me on uh, Twitter, and, or, uh, yeah, Twitter and Instagram at uh, kfreshdetroit. And uh, yeah, that's about it, yeah. There we go. K-Fresh, thank you so much. A pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, Long pleasure time to be coming. on. Thank you so much. And um, until next time, Matt, thank you. Lauren, thank you. K-Fresh.